1: Hi, this is Robert, uh, also known as Vagabond MD. You're listening to the What's Up Next podcast.
3: Hi, I'm Gassim and I'm a user of blogs. I'm on the What's Up Next podcast.
0: This is Susan from FI Ideas and you're listening to the What's Up Next podcast. Welcome to What's Up Next, where your hosts, Paul David Thompson and Doc G, take the discussion on topics in the financial independence movement to the next level. Guest panelists share their opinion to questions that don't have clear answers to help you refine your path to financial independence.
4: Welcome. This is Paul David Thompson from Ready Investor One. And this is Doc G from Diversify.com. So Paul Thompson, what's up next? Well, we have a kind of a fun topic today. There are all types of content that you can create and produce on the internet. The question is, is commenting, forum post, and guest posting enough? So I, we have three fun, interesting guests from a variety of backgrounds here. And we're going to have them do a quick introduction. Susan, do you mind going first?
0: Sure. Hi, I'm Susan, and I do have a blog at FI Ideas. But uh, I consider myself more of a commenter. So when I do post there infrequently, I consider it almost like a guest post.
4: Yes, we all know you as a prodigious poster. I would say that much of your content, uh, if you were to measure your content, it'd probably be more in comments than it would be in posts, wouldn't you say?
0: Yeah, actually, I've never done a guest post. Um, so yes. So in comments. Um, that, yeah. In fact, we've sort of joked that. I could be the first person to
4: figure out how to monetize commenting.
3: Oh, we'll pull on that thread shortly. I can't wait for that. All right, Gassim, how about you? Well, I uh, came to the FI community after I was retired, and I didn't know anything about about it at all. And uh, actually, I think POF was my first blog that I actually visited often, and I, he asked me to guest post on his blog, so it kind of enticed me to become part of that aspect of the community. So my perspective is, is that the posters act as contrast to the actual bloggers. And so by the combination of posting, responding, and blogging, I think you better elucidate what people can understand or glean for their own perspective on how to achieve their goals. So uh, I think the I think posters, I mean, a lot of people come and they post basically to advertise their own blogs, but there's also a way to better um, tease out the truth, if you will.
4: Great. I can't wait to tease out what that conversation a little bit further as we <laughs> dig in.
3: Robert, how about you? Can
4: you give us a quick intro?
1: Sure. My name is Robert. I go by Vagabond MD in the physician financial community. And I've been an active uh, guest blogger, poster, and commenter on blogs for the last three or four years.
2: So I wanted to open up by saying that when I wanted to research all of you for this podcast episode, I, I did a basic Google search and I kept on coming up to urban dictionary definitions. So I'm going to start with you, Gassam. I assume that you call yourself Gassum because you're a retired anesthesiologist. But if you look at the Urban Dictionary for what a Gassim is, it says it's a guy who is generally crazy, parties hard, doesn't give two shits, absolutely hilarious, swears like a sailor, but has a very caring heart. So, you know, I find you fairly irreverent when you comment in some of the posts that I've seen you comment on, how far do you think your true personality is from this urban dictionary definition?
3: Bingo. (laughs) 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 I mean, it's pretty much it. And it's, I'm at a stage in my life where it, it really doesn't matter. You know, I'm not like, um, I don't have an an agenda to, uh, to really, put out there. You know, I'm not trying to monetize. I'm not trying to make more money or anything like that. I'm just interested in living my life. And I think that, and that's how I am. And I think that's how I intend to come across. It's, I mean, I, I'm thoughtful in how I come across, but it's not so much about, you know, accomplishing some other goal.
2: Yeah, and I think that that rings true as we read your comments. It certainly has in the comments that you've made on my blog. Uh, I'd like to carry this over to Robert. Same thing. So when you look at the Urban Dictionary definition for vagabond, it is someone who wanders or are often homeless. And I thought that was also a little bit fitting for you. Tell me about that definition and how it fits your way of engaging the personal finance community.
1: Well, the origin of it was I—I I read the book *Vagabonding* by Rolf Potts around the time that my uh, I was in the depths of my burnout period, and it was somewhat of an escape fantasy. So, it was it was time to create avatar, a name for a nickname for forums, an anonymous name. That's what I came up with, Vagabond MD. But as it turns out. Uh, I have been vagabonding on quite a few different uh, bloggers' sites. I probably guest-posted now on 10 or 12 sites. If I tried to list them, I'd probably leave one or two off, so I won't won't do that. But I have been a vagabond guest-poster, as it turns out.
2: So Susan, there also is an urban dictionary definition for a Susan. So a Susan is a great person but doesn't always know it. Susans are caring and intelligent but never see the beauty in themselves. It goes on further to talk about how Susans are great supporters and great friends, and that also seemed quite fitting to me. How do you think that fits into your commenting style?
0: Well, first of all, that's quite a nice compliment, so thank you. I'd like to think that I'm uh, that type of Susan. The way I look at my own blog is by by calling it FI Ideas, I consider myself a reader, not a writer, and I want to share the great content that's out there. And I think that by being a commenter, what I enjoy is reading different blog posts and trying to decide what it means to me if I can come up with something that either sums it up or a lot of times is contrary, but in general, wanting to share those ideas in some particular way and also to tweet maybe a single line headline if i can come up with it so i consider it a bit of a challenge but i do think that uh many people when they come into the fire community they want to begin as a writer but it's like is anybody out there reading
2: yeah you know as you say that i think a lot about gasim because gasim you definitely are a reader there's no question every time you make a comment on a blog It's very clear that you've thought in depth about what you're writing about. On the other hand, you're also quite a writer. I mean, I've looked at some comments that you've written that have been multiple, multiple paragraphs. Um, Has there ever been a pull in you to start blogging, to start your own blog since you're writing so much anyway?
3: Well, I started blogging about maybe 10 or 12 years ago on a different subject on uh, Pretty esoteric engineering subject called software-defined radio or software-defined communications, and so I have some experience with that. And I actually did recently start a blog uh, because some of what I comment on, I want to talk about in more depth. So I so I acquired a couple domain names. One is uh, mdonfi, all one word, and but I'm not advertising it, monetizing it, or, you know, I just want to have a place where I can put down my thoughts, where I can, you know, add graphs and pictures and stuff like that to better explain my thought process.
2: Now, Vagabond, so it sounds like Gassim is moving towards the idea of maybe writing a blog. When I type Vagabond MD into Google, not only did I get the Urban Dictionary definition, but the first thing that came up, you know, when it suggests search terms, I put in Vagabond MD and the first thing that comes down in that, in that fall down box is Vagabond MD blog. And of course, when I click on that and do a Google search on Vagabond MD blog, all I see is guest posts in other places. So why, Robert, do you think that you've settled with guest posting, so to speak?
1: You know, I don't think I have a unified message or a theme or consistent enough material to be a blogger in the way that I see uh, successful blogs uh, carried out. I mean, I think you're amazing in that, you know, you're able to put a blog out almost every day or every day. And uh, when I look at the other, you know, more successful blogs, even those that are able to do it a couple times a week, I don't think I have enough material for that. Plus, I think my interest has changed over even the last few years From uh, areas of financial independence, retire early, investing topics, including esoteric ones, to more about uh, the physician lifestyle, wellness. And so I I don't think I have, uh, you know, I just have occasionally have an idea or so that I, or I have an experience I think is other people might want to read about and I want to share it, but not enough material to do it on a regular basis.
2: Susan, when I looked at your about page on your blog. One of the things you write is, my goal is to highlight the brilliant people who are creating great content. And I've noticed that throughout your blog, you do that, even in your own blog post, you're really good at highlighting people. And then you go out and do all these wonderful supporting comments that you tweet out to the world so other people can read. Tell me about the role of supporting your community and how you feel that plays a role. In your activities online?
0: Yeah, I would say that my favorite posts that I put together are almost like a conversation in my own head of different content producers, whether they're they could be podcasters or bloggers or even YouTubers. But for example, I wrote one called I Dream I Had a Dream That I Sold All of My Stocks. And in the dream, different content producers are. Coming to my imagination and chiming in. So, oh, that's
1: funny! That's hilarious.
0: Yeah. So it's it's an idea of being able to share content and create a conversation, which I I think is really what what <laughs> commenting is about as well. Uh, it's almost like being at, at a place like FinCon, imaginarily or whatever you want to say.
2: So, Gassim. And- As Susan's talking, I'm thinking about her role really in supporting other bloggers. I've noticed that you do the same thing, but you also do something a little bit different. You definitely play the devil's advocate often in your comments. Tell me about being a contrarian. Uh, Is that something you enjoy? Do you think it's necessary on some of these blogs?
3: Well, I think it's necessary to be able, there's, there's a method of discussion that's called the dialectic. And the dialectic is between two, is a a point of view between two things. And the goal is to come to a better understanding of the truth. But part of the problem is, is, is that sometimes people get into the goal of winning. So my goal is not to win, but it's to better elucidate the idea. And if you look at a picture, if a picture's all the same color, you can't really see very much. But if you offer different lights or different variations on how to look at it, then, then you see more. And the whole point of it is is that people come away with a better understanding of how they're going to plan their future, basically, because this is about planning your future. It's not trivial. Planning your um, finances and how you're going to live the rest of your life not trivial. So... That's kind of the approach that I take. And I try, I definitely try not to get into, you know, a contest, if you will, but more about, you know, making a comment, stand up, say what you think, sit down kind of thing, as opposed to uh, getting your ego and testosterone involved.
2: So, Robert, I like this idea of a dialectic. And one of the places you see this really play out in our community is forums. And I know that you are a huge forum member and contributor. Talk to us a little bit about the first forum you were a part of and what role that plays in your online activities.
1: Well, my first forum was an AOL forum from the mid-90s called SAGE. It was actually a mutual fund education forum. And I uh, quickly became a community leader there, which allowed me to, amongst other things, have a free AOL membership for, for quite a few years. But I think that I learned that you can learn a lot from other people while you're learning together. And there's a, you know, a sense of community that develops. This, this kind of goes back to what a lot of things you say about purpose, identity, and connection. I, I use the word community instead of connection, but I think you can use them interchangeably. And I think we all in our non-financial lives strive for those those sorts of, uh, you know, ideals. So, I think that's, uh, that's why I've liked forums. and I've been involved in forums of various kinds over the years since the mid-90s.
2: Yeah, one thing I've found interesting, uh, Robert, is that it sounds like I know you went to the white coat investor uh, conference and I almost sounded like from what I've heard of your podcast and writing that meeting the forum members or meeting the other commenters was more fun and interesting than meeting the content producers per se. Uh,
1: Um, Absolutely. I think that uh, 90% of what was presented at the conference was either uh, material or, or perspectives that were already known to me. I did learn a little, but I won't say that I didn't, but I really, really enjoyed meeting some of the other attendees, people that I've interacted with, maybe for a year and a half or more on the forum or in comment sections. That was really a blast. And, uh, you know, I think uh, that that made it uh, worth going to and coming back uh, to the next one, no matter who's talking.
2: Yeah, I, I hear there may be one in Las Vegas one day. So yeah. I know that might be on the horizon. Sure. So I'd like to transition a little bit over to you, Susan. One thing I've always noticed about your comments is they usually are on point. I mean, you usually pull out something very intelligent to say, very timely, and you usually do it in a witty manner. Talk to me a little bit about commenting etiquette. What do people do right and wrong when you're reading other people's blogs? Well,
0: first of all, in order to do something witty and to point, it actually is something I'm practicing in the morning with my coffee, and I don't know that I could do it as quickly in a podcast format. And so I do take the time to read, ponder, and try to come up with what is the heart of what someone who's writing is saying. Just like Gassum mentioned, I think that coming up with contrary point is also... A challenge that is interesting if I can come up with something funny sometimes I think that with humor that we all we can share a point that actually comes across and sometimes gets more conversation going and draws a, an interest and I would give an example as uh, Dave from accidental fire Occasionally does a turnip fire, which is a takeoff of the onion, which I love. I love that one. And in a witty manner that's along the way that you're saying, short, uh, funny, and bizarre headline (laughs) is posed. And an example would be, uh, I believe he had one about the rapper 50 Cent now changing his name to 68
2: cent because of inflation mm-hmm. uh, yeah we here at the what's up next podcast are great supporters of dave and accidental fire uh, not only of his blogging but also of his graphic t-shirts too so uh, he, we are definitely a big fan of him Gassum, there's definitely a commenting etiquette and I think we as content producers, I'm including myself here, really feel privileged when you take the time to leave a long and well-thought-out comment. But it goes the other way, too. You seem to be somewhat selective in the blogs that you're willing to read. What, what turns you off in reading a blog in personal finance?
3: Agenda. When I, You can tell what blogs are interested in addressing topics that I think, show interest to a large percentage of people. And then there are blogs that are about making money. I'm less interested in blogs that are about making money. I'm not against making money, but, you know, if it's just boilerplate content, I can get that anywhere. So, So you have to have original content and a content that's capable of being commented on. And you also have to have a blogger that's willing to put up with the give and take that's associated with that commenting. So, you know, somebody may not, may, and also you have to have a blogger that's not, you know, interested in winning. So there are some blogs that the blogger has to win. I'm not interested in that blog. So so I'm selective in where I, I spend my time. You know, I have just as much interest, or I, I have my time is important as anybody's time. So that's kind of my perspective on it.
4: Well, it's an interesting point, guys. Do you have off the top of your head a list of a few of those blogs that you find fit that criteria that you really enjoy commenting on and you really enjoy hearing the
3: blogger's response? I like uh, Crispy Doc's blog. I like Dr. Money blog. I like Dr. Finance. I like POF's blog. Let's see. I like Gasfire's blog.
2: Robert, he mentioned Doctor of Finance. That's Hatton One. Yeah. And one thing she wrote actually is you did a guest post for her, and it was titled "When Vagamon Speaks, I Listen." Tell me a little bit about your agenda when you're guest posting. Well,
1: uh, I don't particularly remember. I've done a three guest post for her now. I don't specifically remember the thought behind that post, unfortunately. But in general, I think her audience, it tends to be more mature physicians, maybe contemplating retirement or scaling back their uh, participation in their medical careers, maybe starting to do other things. And that's, uh, you know, I'm thinking about that audience when I'm I'm writing for her blog or I'm submitting potential ideas for her blog.
2: So, Susan, when I look at all three of you and the amount that you comment, write, guest post, and are in forums commenting... I imagine that that takes up a lot of time. Susan, how many blogs do you think you read a day?
0: Well, I would say that there are favorites that I, I always read, yours being one of them because you're posting every day and I like your philosophy. That's uh, When I say yours, I'm talking about Doc G at Diversify. As far as how many, I would say that I like to go to Rockstar Finance and see what they're highlighting because that gives me Ability to see something new that I might not have heard of before, but I would say about five of them a day Um, Not that I plan on doing this long term because I think One of the things as far as for myself I've been I like to call it pre-employed my own word But uh, I don't care for the word retired, but I quit my job eight years ago For me. I've found that I like doing a variety of things so doing The blogging, being part of the financial independence community, is something that's catching my interest right now, but probably, I'm guessing, won't hold my focus the way it has for the last year, so it would be something that I'm enjoying big time and then moving to something else that interests me.
2: This episode is brought to you by Range Rover Sport. usa.com. That's landroverusa.com. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever. And that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash earn. That is linkedin.com slash E-A-R-N for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash earn and get started
4: okay I, I like that let's maybe peel back the layer of the onion another layer deep and let's talk about the conversations that you guys have been talking about and what's the 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 merit of the conversation that you are that you think the that, that you like to have that the financial independence movement should be having so I, I, there's a lot of content out there and it's rehashing a lot of the same material and I'm Personally, I'm thirsty for
3: the next layer deep. Gassim? Well, I think part of the problem is, is that the, the personal finance community is about accumulation right now. And I'm in the middle of what I call deflation. And deflation is a very different animal than accumulation. So a lot of people write about what they're doing in their life, and that's Accumulation. But it turns out if you don't have a clear understanding of deflation, then you're wasting your time doing accumulation because you don't really have the ability to, to determine how that money is going to get spent. So, so if you think of a if you think of a triangle, accumulation is going up one side of the triangle, deflation is going down the other side, and you have to control. How soon that? How soon you deflate? You don't want to run out of money before you run out of life. So, you know that's that's the real issue.
2: Vagabond, same question over to you. Um, what are the conversations the community should be having? Are there newer thoughts that we're not getting to?
1: I think uh, I would agree to some extent with Gassam. I also uh, I think that the conversations are generally are often held between younger people with less life experience. And I think there's this sense of optimism if you save X amount for 40 years, you're gonna retire with X million dollars. And I think there's not enough accounting for uh, some of the curveballs that life throws your way. And I think, you know, if you're, uh, as you know, I'm involved in the physician uh, financial literacy community, you know, if you're young, attending, no kids, coming out of training, I think uh, there's a lot that life is going to throw at you that you're have not, you uh, you know, you're not accounting for when you're making these projections and yeah, you're going to retire by age 45 with $10 million and, and all of that. And I think I, I try to be, I might come off as a pessimist. I'm actually more of an optimist, but I would say I'm probably a realist because not only have I had some of those experiences, I've seen other people have those experiences, including the experience having... Uh, two of my friends from fellowship dead before the age of 50. So there's, uh, you know, there's there's things that happen in life that uh, a spreadsheet's not going to be the solution for.
2: Yeah, Susan, same question for you. What do you think the blind spots are currently of the personal finance community? Are there major topics we're missing completely?
0: Well, I do think that there's so many voices that I would say most topics are covered. But I agree with both Gasum and Vagabond as far as, first, what Robert was saying about the, I think we associate it with millennials, the optimism, which is great, but I think there's a lot of younger people who have not experienced the downturn in the markets, like we have, probably all three of us being older, have gone through the dot-com and the 2008 and had different positions in our investments and learned from them the hard way. Also, I think that when Gaston was talking about the triangle, what comes to my mind is I was at a panel discussion at FinCon where Big Earn commented on the shockingly simple math of accumulation. But the reason he's written 28 plus posts on safe withdrawal rate is because The other side of the triangle is not shockingly simple. It is really complicated. Uh, So I think that I I consider people like him to be a gift to our community. I don't think in the mainstream you would see such detail from someone as gifted as him. So I think all of us appreciate that voice and his analysis So, but I would say what I'm reading that, although those type of financial topics catch my interest, ultimately, I think that I'm drawn to actual commentary on how we want to live our lives. And this topic of retiring early or financial independence comes to, it it runs the gamut between people who are backpacking full time maybe right out of high school without any type of education and are doing six months on the Appalachian Trail, PCT, and just living very simply in order to buy food and a little bit of equipment, all the way to people who have $10 million and still feel that they're not ready to leave work. And all of those are perfectly fine and really good commentary on what matters in our lives which is a big variety of differences
2: which is great yeah gassim as i hear susan talk i i start thinking about this idea of community and as a content producer i naturally feel like i develop a community based on the people who come to my blog who comment who tweet who go to my facebook page being a content producer automatically forms a certain amount of community I'm wondering, Gassim, do you feel that same sense of community as a commenter and guest poster? Uh, Do you naturally feel a group of friends and relationships forming around your activities?
3: Certainly so. I think that that it's a lot like uh, going to the bar. You know, when you're in college, you might uh, go to the bar after uh, a hard day of class or something, and you get to know the bartender a little bit, you get to know... You know, somebody else you see there quite often and, you know, the other people come in and get a pizza and stuff like that. And so so you develop a familiarity, I think, with people. So there's not, I don't think there's, um, it's not like, you know, going to church or being a member of a group like that, but it's uh, it's a, a larger, more free-form kind of situation. But still people that I think, you know, respect, I, I remember when I first started commenting on your blog. You once said that you would write something, and then you go, "Oh, Gassim's gonna respond against this." <laughs> so That—that's—that's that's the kind of thing that you get. You get—you realize that you're actually dealing with an intelligence out there, not just you know words on a page.
2: So, Robert, what Gassim is talking about is this idea that as a commenter or a guest poster, you can actually change the trajectory of the content producer's posts. Have you found that to be true, that people uh, jump off of things you've said in your comments or in your guest posts and formed their own comment from content from it?
1: Uh, I, I believe so. I think that uh, the piece that I wrote that had the most impact was the Adventures in Burnout, where I described my uh, descent into burnout, and then my eventual recovery. And uh, one or two people have told, a a number of people have contacted me and said that they found that to be very uh, helpful to them, very moving, and allowed them to recover from their own burnout. And a couple people said that in part because of that piece in particular, they started their own blogs. So I think that there is a way just as a a one-off poster or commenter to have some impact on on the community.
2: Susan, do you ever read a blog and decide not to comment? I know, usually know when you've come by my blog because there's a comment left on my inbox um, or I see it tweeted out. Are you silent on some websites and just read and move on?
0: Occasionally. I would say that happens more if I'm following something from Rockstar Finance that I'm not as familiar with. Like Gassam was saying about being in a bar, I think that the The image that comes to my mind is Cheers, and the feeling of everyone knows your name or everyone knows your blog name or avatar. So it it is a nice feeling that when I got to FinCon, some people knew who I was because uh, of commenting. (laughs) So that was kind of nice. But as far as provoking someone to write something, I would say sometimes it's happened the opposite to me just because I do have a blog. Sometimes if I see a certain number of posts that are all aligning a certain way, I want to write something the opposite. So that would be like, I wrote a post about my finances being designed for wild swings because it seemed that everyone was coming up with, um, in their safe withdrawal rates, uh, the idea that they would draw X amount per year as if X would always be the same number.
1: I would echo what uh, Susan said. A lot of times uh, when I read a blog and if everybody's in agreement, I might be in agreement. I might not leave a comment because we're all, you know, to consensus. Why bother? But if I feel that there's another perspective needed or or a frank disagreement, I will almost always comment.
2: I was about to say, Gassim, for you, is it the exact opposite? If you read a blog and there's (laughs) lots of agreement, you feel that you should write
3: about the other side of the story? If I'm interested in the topic, I'll write about it. I don't, have, I don't feel like compelled to be contrarian, although I tend to be contrarian, but I think I'm contrarian because I got to financial independence on a different path than what most of the financial independence community uses as their methodology. So in other words, I come, I've been investing since 1975. So I've been through a lot of downturns, a lot of different styles of investing, a lot of speculative investing, stuff like that. So my depth of experience is a different thing than, um, you know, buying Vanguard funds.
4: So I'm curious, then what is your advice, your message, based on all that experience, you, you say you got to your state of financial independence a different way than is traditionally taught, which I, I consider the standard advice now to be BTSAX. That's in, and especially as you're young, let it ride. And it's the whole Jim Collins, simple path to wealth. Do you have a contrary opinion that you would like to share?
3: Well, the thing is back in those days, that stuff didn't exist. Vanguard wasn't, didn't exist until 1975. Right. Things like IRAs and such didn't exist back then. So, so the, and the typical point of view was that you bought Fidelity Magellan and, and you know, that was, your, that was your vehicle. And so, it, but it also cost you 200 bucks uh, for a brokerage fee and it cost you 3% load. So it was very hard to make any money back in those days because the broker was the guy who was making all the money. Now there's a very different sort of environment that you can invest in, and so people think it's easy, but, you know, it's not always, It's not so easy. And I, I look at, for example, I look at this real estate crowdfunding, and I wonder, so what's this all about, <laughs> you know? I mean, uh, uh, there's a lot of, I think, unpublished risk in that whole model that, and people view it like they're, you know, buying a Vanguard fund, and I'm not sure that that's uh, that's the reality of it. Re- speaking of reality share, for example, we got realty so share. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so, Susan, I wonder if this rings true with you too. It, it it sounds like a little bit of what Gassim is saying too is that there's a different conversation that goes along with someone who's lived through some of the ups and downs compared to maybe a new blogger in their 20s. Do you find the quality of conversation you're having through blogs and comments is different based on the generation? Are you having different conversations with the baby boomer bloggers and the uh, Gen X bloggers versus the millennials and Gen Zs?
0: Yeah, I think that there is a difference. I guess I'm just saying when I started out investing, of course there there were index funds, but one of the times that I came to educate myself the most just by chance was in nineteen ninety-nine when I was changing jobs and in charge of my own retirement portfolio. And I discovered as I educated myself that most of the index funds were predominantly dot com. So I ended up investing in individual stocks, which I, some of the things I've done are unconventional, but they, maybe I got lucky or not, but I learned a lot about the market by doing that. And I learned fundamentals such as, you know, price to earnings ratio, some of the basics, but I feel that younger people possibly are investing in the BTSAX and it's been easy as the market's been up for 10 years. I was lucky enough to go to the uh, Chautauqua in Greece and meet JL Collins, and he was talking about that if you can't handle the downturn, then you shouldn't be in it at all, and how many people really haven't been, haven't had the chance to experience that downturn and really have no idea how they'll react So I feel that I'm almost waiting in a way for that to
3: happen. What I see is that there's two aspects to investing. One is the return, and everybody focuses on the return, but the other aspect is the risk. And that's not well thought or talked about in the financial community, at least in this financial community, because we've been in a very low-risk environment for a long time, and a lot of people made a lot of money in this environment but uh you know part of not being in it is that you have to risk yourself appropriately part of what i try to do is to talk about that aspect to give some people um the other aspect uh of of you know the 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 pair the risk return pair you got to talk about the risk part too
1: i would echo what uh, gaston said and i think there are a lot of uh uh, bloggers uh, in the financial community, the fire community that are younger than that have been blogging for fewer years than the most recent bull markets. And, you know, that concerns me, and I, particularly uh, in a market downturn, like we've had in two, twice in my investing lifetime. And I think people say um, that, well, yeah, I'm 100% stock, and I can take, I can take a loss of 50%. But I don't think they realize it's not just that the paper loss is going around. It's all the negativity around you. It might be your next-door neighbor losing their house or your uh, your cousin losing their job. And it's not just a matter of what's going on in the paper. It's what's going on in the world all around you. And that concerns me a lot. There's just a lack of that perspective uh, in the...
2: So tell me this. Do you feel like your role as commenter, forum participant and guest poster, you're able to forward those arguments about how the younger generation is maybe not seeing all sides to the current economic upswing?
1: I, I try to do that. I, you know, I don't want to be the old you know, grandfather who's, oh, you young kids, you, know, you don't know anything. I try not to be too, you know, too much of a negative Nelly. But I think, like I said, I try to be a realist because these things do happen and recessions happen. And it's not just that your statement of value or your net worth number is going down. There's a lot of ne- negativity. There's emotion associated with that. It's, it's just not a, a spreadsheet exercise.
3: The other thing is, is that life goes on. And so you want to adjust your portfolio in a way that it that it exists over a very long time. And so if you're buying, you know, the just the index fund right now, let's say you buy SPY and it drops 50%. If you bought SPY in a bond, it would only drop 25%. Well, 25% loss means you have to make Fifty percent back to break even. If you drop fifty percent, you got to make a hundred percent back. So by so you have to realize that, that that is going to occur over ten years or fifteen years or however long it takes. And so you have to take that that time um, variable in, into consideration as well, not just not just the instantaneous rate of return or something like that. I'd like
2: to move to another sort of question. I'm going to start with you, Gassim. Susan has talked about going to FinCon. Um, Robert has talked about going to the White Coat Investor Conference. Uh, have you gone to any in real life, in-person meetings? And tell me, is that uncomfortable for you? Do you feel like your place as a commenter is adequate in itself? Or do you feel the need to meet, get out and meet people in
3: person? I'm still trying to figure out where I stand on that i may you know take a trip such as that um at some point but i live in uh central florida and so there's not a huge it's not like living in chicago or vegas or someplace like that that has a lot of meetings. although orlando just happened but i wasn't uh, available to make orlando this year but i may go at some point to maybe dc next year or something like that um Bring my wife, and we'll see what happens. Yeah,
2: Susan, you went to FinCon, we met there. Uh, You also went to Chautauqua. Has that changed your opinions on commenting, maybe pushed you more towards other types of content creation, or has it made your interest in commenting stronger?
0: Good question, because in both of those cases, I really didn't know what to expect from those meetings, and it's part of why I went. I enjoy the unknown and being a little bit out of my comfort zone. I think it's a topic that comes up a lot. But I would say that as I met different people, I I can tell that I will be drawn to their content. One example would be at the Chautauqua. One of the presenters is Millennial Revolution, which is a couple who retired at age 31 in Canada. I think they are the earliest retirees. I absolutely loved their presentations. And uh, there was a parallel with a blog post that you've written, Doc G, called Three Roads for Three Brothers, looking at the different ways that uh, why people would leave work if they love it versus uh, get it done. And Christy made a point of instead of taking the philosophy of following your passion to get a high paying job, uh, it would be akin to your first brother who just does the hike uh, as quickly as possible, gets it done. Uh, from her point of view, if you really want to follow your passion, you could do that in an early retirement. And you would get your what she called FI armor. And I love this concept. And it was the idea that if you want to follow your passion, you have to worry about will you make enough money? Will you be good enough? And will people make fun of you in whatever that passion is? And like Gassum was saying, uh, he doesn't really care as he's now financially independent and he can comment however he wants. He doesn't care whether or not people like it or it, it satisfies him and his own heart. So I think that that is was very inspiring. So I would definitely be coming back to read more of their content.
2: Yeah, Christy, um, I've been reading Millennial Revolution for quite a while. And in fact, she's recording with us uh, in the upcoming week on an episode about uh, financial independence and mental health. Uh, So I definitely hear you. Uh, Millennial Revolution is an amazing blog. uh, And if any of the listeners have not looked them up, they should. I'm going to send this over to Robert. A similar question. Has meeting people in real life at the White Coat Investor Conference or in other places changed your opinions or your methods of interacting in the community? Are you commenting different? Are you doing the forums different? Are you guest posting less or more?
1: Uh, I wouldn't say so. I think the fact that uh, I did meet Hatton One at the White Coat Investor Conference and soon thereafter, she started her blog. So, you know we were we had already sort of connected on the forum before we met in person, but we also were you know simpatico and I think uh, we feel a, a certain kinship and that that was extended when she created her blog but it really hasn't uh, I don't think it's really affected how I behave in terms of commenting or posting, but it certainly does draw you more into the community by meeting the people in person and and having a beer with them or going skiing with them or whatever it is
0: I'd like to add that. There were people who weren't at FinCon, and I was really disappointed that I wasn't able to meet. For instance, I love to read Fritz at the Retirement Manifesto, who had been to previous FinCons and even won a food award but wasn't present. Uh, I love the Freedom is Groovy blog, and I was hoping to meet the Groovies. They, they weren't able to make it this year. Another blogger that I, I enjoy the humor of, uh, Freddie Smith Lap because you know his content, but he is really entertaining. So I was hoping to meet him in person. And another one is uh, Tanya from Budget and the Beach. And she's very, I would say very real as far as sharing the details of her life. And I just appreciate how honest she is. So those are people that come to my mind, probably several others who I I follow. So that in itself might get me to go and attend another gathering just in hopes that other people who I haven't met will be there.
4: Yeah, I would certainly like to echo that is going to those events, those live events, even if it's just a choose five group or a local meetup, that is, you almost can't, Imagine how friendly this community is. Uh, going to a big, big conference like like FinCon as not a content producer is, I would say, a, a non-issue. Uh, the The community is very welcoming, very warming, very warm and welcoming. So, if, for anybody who is uh, doubtful, I would definitely listen to what these other guests have said that it's it's incredibly worth it and it's not necessarily a financial reward that you're you're going for it's a it's a community that that you find of people who are so openly willing and able to talk about money so in in closing i'd like to circle back to the original question which was how should those listening engage in the community if they don't have blogs or considering a blog but are reluctant? For those of you who don't necessarily produce a lot of traditional blog or podcast type content, what's your advice to those out there who are reluctant to to engage?
1: I would say, uh, I think if you're reading contents and you find it to be useful, uh, educational, informative, and you, you know, have an opinion that is either in agreement or might extend the discussion or even disagreement. I, there's really no harm in making a polite comment, even if it's in disagreement. Uh, I've rarely, although I can think of one example uh, of somebody who's extremely popular, I disagreed with his premise completely and he, he, he seemed offended by it, but that's very unusual. Most people, you know, most people who are blogging know that it's their opinion and that, you know, you know, if they have a comment section, they want comments because nobody has it all figured out. Nobody knows everything. I think we're all sort of uh, not making this up as we go along, but to some extent we are. So I think feel free to comment. And most, if you politely comment, even if it's a disagreement, it'll generally be, be um, respected. And chances are other people will have that same disagreement. So I would say just don't be afraid to comment. And in terms of forums, you know, I'm very active on the White Coat Investor Forum. It's extremely friendly. I've made the comment a few times that the anonymous White Coat Investor Forum is a friendlier environment than the Facebook group where everybody or most people have their real names out there. I I found that to be astounding. Not only that, I think the, the content is a lot better. So, you know, I, I would say jump in and, and get involved. And I think uh, by getting involved, I think you'll get more out of it too. Because I think if you have to articulate a comment on a post, you're going to do, do it thoughtfully. And, you know, you may even change your own mind while you're thinking through the process. So I, I would just say if you're reading content, get involved.
3: Gassim, you next. Well, I think that you don't necessarily have to comment, but what I think you should do is write. So so you may read something, and then you may fill out the text box in comment. You may decide you don't want to publish that comment, but just the process of going through a response increases your knowledge and increases all those connections that you otherwise might not have considered. So this is a, a little bit like journaling uh, as much as it is, you know, uh, a conversation. And journaling is a very powerful thing. It's very good. It's a very good thing to um, understand where you're going, where you're headed, what you didn't think about, what you need to think about. Part of this journey is that you want to think about going to the end and then turn around and see what you did wrong. And... By doing that you can change things and do things right. So it's so this is a journey and part of the blogging community helps you along in the journey. So so commenting is an important thing in my opinion.
1: I was gonna just jump in and say that probably one in five, maybe one in ten times I start to fill out a comment on a blog and like, this is really stupid, or I don't agree with myself anymore, and I just, you know, just scrap <laughs> it. So Careful. a lot of <laughs> A lot of times, you know, while I'm writing, and this is to your point, I'm thinking it through and maybe a little bit deeper, and, and and you know, revising my own opinion.
4: That's really great feedback. I love that nugget of wisdom: is to just put your thoughts on paper, write it down, or put it into a blog comment, and then a lot of times you, you know, makes a realization that they were probably right. Making yourself think think it through is really good, Susan.
0: I think one of my favorite things about writing a comment is coming back to see what the original blog writer has to say about it, and so it feels like um, uh, something I look forward to, and, uh, you know, occasionally, I, depending on the type of uh, article, uh, I can ask a question to an expert. For instance, very recently, uh, Fritz at the Retirement Manifesto had an expert on Medicare. I help my in-laws with their finances, and I was able to ask a question and get a really good detailed answer. So there's that aspect of it. Um, but I agree with Gassum in that I believe that when you practice something, it's, it's a chance to practice writing in a really short way. So it, it's something you can do in a quick amount of your time.
3: The other thing is that there's was recently the, you know, the Susie O. Uh, Bruhaha. The thing is, is that what she presented, I think, was the alternative point of view in a very strong way. And what I saw in the, in the FI community was a lot of people reinventing their narrative to try to convince themselves that their point of view is correct. And if you really want to succeed, you need to be able to have an understanding of failure because success is built on failure. And so, and I'm not critical of you know any of that anybody could do whatever they want but I think that that's that's an aspect that you need that failure feedback in order to do things right.
0: I'd like to say something about the Susie Orman interview and I think that one of my favorite things was the rebuttal or the follow-up that Paula Pant published which was a selection of all of the different commenters who had come onto her blog post where, where people could have their feedback. And she put together the best collection of the different comments. I was happy to, that one, that mine was part of that community, but it really felt like the entire FI community uh, was able to make a rebuttal. and it gave me a great sense of being part of something uh, bigger.
4: I think that's a perfect way to end because that's what we're trying to do, right? As part of a community is to be part of something bigger. So I like to give each of you a chance to share with uh, the the listeners where you guys are, where they can find you, which might be a little bit uh, not as obvious for <laughs> some of you. Um, but how can people get a hold of you if they want to? Where can they track your comments? And is there anything that you're working on that you would like to share with, uh, with the listeners that you'd like to promote? I'll start with Susan.
0: Yeah, if you want to reach me, I'm at Susan at FI Ideas. So FI Ideas is the uh, blog. Uh, I'm on Twitter as FI Ideas. Uh, Those are the two main things. I really don't like Facebook very much. As far as what I'm working on, (laughs) I love variety so much that I actually don't know what's up next, so
4: to speak. That's good to know. Yeah.
3: Gatam? Well, I just started a blog, MD on FI. It's a small blog that uh, allows me to go more in depth. It's pretty long pieces, so um, and I'm not publishing every day kind of thing, but I'm trying to you know, bring out right now I'm into a big series on Roth conversion and all the pluses and minuses and how to do that and There's various aspects like that that I want to look at in depth. So that's what I'm doing right now.
4: Wonderful. I look forward to engaging there because I have not read any of your um, material before. So can't wait. I can
1: be reached at vagabondmd at protonmail.com. I'm also at 3i radiologist on Twitter. I have a couple of uh, pieces that I'm working on. One is the uh, joy of non-frugal travel which will be a guest post and I have uh, I'm going to do a one year update on my burnout piece, which really had a, a lot of impact it seems. And it's uh, the one year anniversary is this week. So I'm working on that.
2: So Paul, that was a lively discussion as the content producer, all three of the guests were kind of close to my heart. And the reason why is as a content producer you really put yourself out there. You write these blog posts and you put everything you have in them. You give your best ideas, you give your most emotion and you hit publish. And a lot of the times no one reads and they just sit there and you get this feeling that they've been lost in the ether. So when someone takes the time to come in and comment, it just means so much. And when they do it intelligently, When they come in and say something intelligent and they actually push you to think more, uh, it's a true gift. And I've actually found that a lot of my posts for subsequent days have come from thinking through the comments. The commenter will say something and it will spark in me this idea that will lead to another blog post or will lead to a new way of thinking. And so I really loved having these three guests on because they're so important, I believe, to the content creation process.
4: Yes, I, I really like this idea of engaging in a conversation. I don't know what the agenda for or the motivation, I guess, for most bloggers are podcast producers. But for me, it's I want to get my ideas out there and then I want a reflection. I, I want a conversation to ensue afterwards. I don't want to just get behind a microphone and talk blindly and walk off like I had everything figured out. No, no, no. I, I, I want an engaging conversation. And I'm, I am love this idea that Gassim has of a dialectic, which I was not previously familiar with, but at least the term, but I was certainly, that's the way I approach uh, life is that there are always extreme examples and oftentimes the actual answer is somewhere in the middle and I'm always trying to find a contrary point of view to challenge my presupposed idea and it makes me think and that's why I like consuming a lot of the material that is out there in the space is because I want to get a little bit better and by having an engaging conversation with commentary creates that versus just blindly listening to all these different voices that with no conversation, which is why I love the format that we've chosen here is that it's a conversation. It's not just somebody talking at you about somebody's story. I love those, but I want to take it to the next level. What can we say that would help somebody think and refine their, their step most of the people listening to this probably are already on the financial independent movement or they're on their own journey. But how can they refine their path along that uh, along that journey to get to someplace where they actually are finding more satisfaction and joy?
2: So I think we as content producers, especially when we're talking about bloggers and podcasters, we really put ourselves in a little bit of a high stress position. You are expected to produce and produce on time and produce regularly or no one's going to come back to consume your content. I think there's another way to do it. For those who aren't the diehards, especially for those who don't feel like they need that high stress of content production, uh, the low stress way is really to engage it in other ways. And so you can comment, you can do guest posts when a specific idea really comes to mind that you want to Uh, talk about. Uh, You can enter forums and have much lower stress conversations. And so I think it's important to realize that you can engage this community in so many different ways. And blogs and podcasts are just one of them. uh, But there are many, many other ways to enter and to be part of this uh, growing community. All right. This has been the What's Up Next podcast. I'm Doc G, and on behalf of myself and my co host, Paul Thompson, we'd like to thank Susan from FI Ideas, Gassim, and Robert, also known as Vagabond MD. That's a wrap.
3: You know, you sort of run out of steam after a while, but there's plenty of steam in this group, I can tell you. It
2: was fun. I definitely enjoyed it, and I think other people haven't done it because it's a little bit complicated, but we found that generally getting a bunch of people to talk uh, eases the pressure on the one person being interviewed, so that people can kind of jump in, jump out, and not feel like it's a pressureful situation.
0: That uh, your wife was uh, lifting a Buick instead
2: of... <laughs> <laughs>
3: proud
0: of my yeah, wife i i look up to her as well
2: <laughs> if there weren't commenters and guest posters um so it it means a lot so at least from the bottom of my heart thank you it really does yeah and guess I was always talking about hamburgers nothing extra
4: you don't want to create some some fun name or anything
0: what's what's not fun about susan
4: yeah i guess we're going to make sure allow comments right so we can get some uh-huh, for
2: for sure much easier to create the content than to actually find people to read it (laughs) or listen to it in this case. So true. See you later.
0: As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for the New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, US versus China where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more—